ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ ಓಂ ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ವಾಸುದೇವಾಯ Bhagavad Gita as it is chapter 8 text 22 translation and commentary by his divine grace AC Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Purusha Saparaparta Bhaktya Labhyastunanyaya Yasyantasthani Bhutani Yena Sarva Midam Tatam The supreme personality of Godhead who is greater than all is attainable by unalloyed devotion although he is present in his abode he is all pervading and everything is situated within him apart it is here clearly stated that the supreme destination from which there is no return is the abode of krishna the supreme person the brahma sanghita describes this supreme abode as ananda chinmaya rasa a place where everything is full of spiritual bliss whatever variegatedness is manifest there is all of the quality of spiritual bliss there is nothing material All variegatedness is expanded as the spiritual expansion of the supreme godhead himself for the manifestation there is totally of the spiritual energy as explained in chapter 7 as far as this material world is concerned although the lord is always in his supreme abode he is none, nonetheless all pervading by his material energy so by his spiritual and material energies he is present everywhere both in the material and the spiritual universes Yasyantasthani means that everything is sustained by him, whether it be spiritual or material energy. It is clearly stated here that only by bhakti or devotional service can one enter into the Vaikuntha, spiritual planetary system. In all the Vaikunthas, there is only one Supreme Godhead, Krishna, who has expanded himself into millions and millions of plenary expansions these plenary expansions are four armed and they preside over the innumerable spiritual planets they are known by a variety of names purushottam chavikrama keshava madhava and iruddha rishikesha sankarshana padyumna shridhara vasudeva damodara janardana narayana vamana padmanabha etc These plenary expansions are likened unto the leaves of a tree and the main tree is likened to Krishna. Krishna dwelling in Golok Vrindavan, his supreme abode, systematically conducts all affairs of both universes, material and spiritual, without a flaw by power of his all-pervasiveness. ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆ In Bhagavad Gita as it is, only in this verse is the name of Lord Vamandev mentioned as one of the plenary Vaikuntha expansions 
of the Supreme Lord Krishna. He's mentioned as a four-handed form. The forms of the Lord in the spiritual world, such as Vamana, Nrishimha, Varaha, who appear in this world as Lila avatars, the forms are, in the spiritual world, are four-handed forms. And then they appear in this material world as Lila avatars, to, with specific forms. Varaha Dei, Adi Shukara, the original hog. No hog in this world is very lovable or relishable. There may be someone somewhere who keeps a pet pig, but generally they're not considered very nice animals. If we call someone a pig, it's an insult, or the son of a pig and in India is a severe insult <laughs> to call someone the son of a pig or child of a pig. But these forms, Adi Shuka, Adi Kurma, Adi Adi Matsya, they're all completely spiritual forms, completely transcendental, fully possessing all the opulences of the Supreme Lord, including all beauty. The beautiful form of the Lord is a hog, inconceivable. Vamandev, his appearance is human-like form, and the, the human-like forms, the pastimes, they are considered to be more sweet and more relishable because they interact with the devotees in a manner in which they may tend to forget that he is the Supreme Lord. He's so much like one of them in his human form, human-like form, that they may tend to forget by the power of Yoga Maya that he is actually the Supreme Lord. There is Leela of Vamadev as described in the 8th canto of Srimadhavata is particularly sweet and instructive. It's very sweet because the Supreme Lord is acting in such a contrary manner. When he acts in a contrary manner it's more pleasing to the devotees. We, the standard understanding or misunderstanding of God in Christian theology. It, it's a very stereotyped idea. He, he sits up there somewhere and he, you, you do the right thing and he showers down blessings on you. It's a very stereotype. You be good and he'll bless you. But especially as Vamandev, he the Lord exhibited a very contrary character. Chalayasi Vikram, by Chal, by cheating. He interacted with Bali Maharaj, his great devotee, by cheating him. And this is the prototype cheating, as, as mentioned the other day. The gopis, they Kitavayoshita, they call him Kitavayoshita, one who cheats women. So Krishna is the uh, most famous cheater of women. The gopis mention him like that. And they mention that how we know you're a great cheater. Purnamasi told us that even in your previous 
life, you were practicing this, just so you could come here and cheat us all the better. Because as Vamandev, Kali Maharaj was a very good king, who was very straightforward, and he took all trouble to offer everything to you, and you simply cheated him with everything. So we know your character, Krishna. Even, even from previous lives, you have a very crooked character. So this crookedness of Krishna is actually the that which makes him the most lovable. Lila Purushottam, Prem Purushottam. He is the Supreme Lord in different forms. He exhibits different characteristics, which is Aishvarya Purushottam, the Lord of Vaikuntha, shows his great opulence. Maryada Purushottam, the Lord Ram, who exhibits the, the character of the Supreme Lord, exhibiting the the proper behavior, setting the standards of, for human society. And Krishna is Lila Purushottam. There are so many Lila avatars, but Krishna. Krishna Jyotek Lila Sarvotam Nara Lila. Nara Vapu Taha Sharup. Of all his different pastime forms, that as a, the man-like forms, they are the, uh, they, they are the best. And Nara Vapu, his, his form, as like a man, or rather we should say, in the Bible it said, man is created in the image of God. So sometimes we say his, his man-like forms, but actually the forms of man is a reflection of Krishna's form, not the anthropomorphic idea that we simply, we have imagined God to be like a man because we are men. So Krishna's very original form is man-like, and of all the forms, in, in which he performs his pastimes, by far the most relishable is that of Krishna. Therefore, he's also known as Prem Purushottam, and that's also described how Prem, or divine love, how can, how can we define it in English? It's, it's uh, a hairy vagatir premna, that it's the loving affairs, they are very crooked, like the movement of a snake. It goes like this. It doesn't go straight for you, you never know where, where he's going to go. It may bite also. So, this crookedness was exhibited by Vamandev. But this crookedness, even though he was condemned by the worldly, righteous persons for being so crooked in his behavior. Shukracharya and his followers, they were worldly righteous. They considered themselves righteous. Bali Maharaj had attained so much strength to overcome the, the higher planets by his following the Brahmanas. He is, Shukracharya is the uh, typical smarter Brahman who's attached to worldly morality, worldly righteousness. So uh, he condemned this Vishnu, uh, what is that saying? Sarvasvam Vishnavedadva Murkam Tarishyate Katam. Something that's not exactly right. Anyway, Shukracharya asked the question to uh, Bali Maharaj that if you give everything to Vishnu, then how will you live? How will you survive? 
This is the t exhibiting the typical smarta outlook that we worship God and He benedicts us and we get so many nice things and we can enjoy in this world. This is the typical semi-theistic or almost atheistic understanding of God, that God is someone who fulfills all our desires, which is quite opposite to the actual Vaishnav mood which Bali Maharaj has exhibited, that we should be prepared to give up all our desires simply to satisfy even the whim of the Supreme Lord. It would seem that Vamandeva is very whimsical, that he, he's, he's simply coming as a young boy, playing, playing games. It's a very serious business. Bali Maharaj had taken over the whole universe. The demigods were crying. The Lord Vishnu is the maintainer of the demigods. The whole universal order had been upset. That One takes birth in a particular planet according to his particular karma. But now the demigods headed by Bali Maharaj on the strength of Shukracharya, he certainly had strength from his Brahminical practices. So on the strength of following the Brahmanas, the whole universal order had been upset. And Lord Vishnu doesn't come in riding on a horse, or he doesn't come in wielding his Sudarshan chakra, but he comes as a sweet little boy. So he's whimsical. He appears to be quite whimsical. He has a great purpose to fulfill. And what is his great purpose? To set the order of the universe, uh, to set the order, universe, the cosmic order, to put it back in place. But an even greater purpose, there's far greater to the Supreme Lord than setting the universe in order, is uh, enjoying with his devotees. So he enjoyed some, some playful pastimes with his Supreme Lord, which his playful pastimes, and they are events of cosmic importance. On this planet we have uh, important, there, there used to be this uh, summits between the, the head of the USSR and the head of the USA, and it was, it was the, the biggest events of the decade when, for, when, for instance, Reagan and uh, Gorbachev, they got together, and then Reagan told him that you have the evil empire and all this kind of thing. So these, these were events of global importance, how the leaders got together. But this is only a little planet. And this, this, here we're talking about an event of universal importance, politically of universal importance that will affect the, the lives of all the inhabitants of the universe for generations to come. But for Lord Vamandi, it's just... That is not very important to him, but he wants to see who is my devotee here. Let us, let us bring out the devotional qualities of Bali Maharaj, who was acting as a first-class demon. He is known as Daitya Raj Bali. He's the, the king of the demons or the descendants of, of Diti. And he was performing his duty as a demon very nicely. He was the best demon in history since... Hiranyakashipu uh, had taken over the whole universe and then being, well, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu had thrown out, first of all, Hiranyaksha and then, then in his endeavors to conquer the universe, he was himself conquered by Varahadev. Then Hiranyakashipu also, he, he took over the whole universe as a, 
They had a great family heritage, a great family tradition of, of upsetting the whole universe and taking over the universe, of which they're all very proud. Then Prahlad, as the king of the Daityas, was doing the same thing. Uh, but somewhere in the course of history, it's not recounted exact, exactly, but Virochana, the son of Prahlad, he didn't have control of the universe because Indra was... In, I, I don't know the whole history, or even if it's recounted in the Puranas, how somewhere between Prahlad and Virochana, again Indra became installed in his position because we find in the Upanishads that Indra and Virochana, they both simultaneously approached Lord Brahma to understand what is Atma Gyan. So it appears that Indra had got back to his position sometime. Uh, and so uh, Prahlad Maharaj was, of course, a great devotee. And Virochana was a great demon. He, had, he took on the uh, characteristics of his mother. That's the that's what generally happens, that the, the son takes on the characteristics of the mother. So, Hare Krishna. Virochana was a great demon, but Bali, he was superficially a demon, but actually he was more inclined to his grandfather, Prahlad, who uh, secretly, clandestinely, instructed him in Bhagavad Dharma. That, uh, Kaumara Acharat Pragyod Dharman Bhagavataniha Durlabham Manusham Janma Tadapya Dhruvam Artadam. Prahlad Maharaj himself lived by the principle that from the very earliest age people should be instructed in Bhagavad Dharma because human life is very rare and although temporary, it is very valuable because it affords the opportunity to pursue Bhagavad Dharma. So it appears that Prahlad Maharaj, like many great devotees prior to him and uh, after him also, uh, despite being himself one of the greatest pure devotees ever, uh, for some by some arrangement of the Lord, his sons were not devotees. But he was able to instruct Bali Maharaj, and apparently clandestinely, because Bali Maharaj assumed the throne of his father and became the king of the demons. And he acted like a demon. In He fulfilled the desires of the demons to attack the kingdom of Indra and was actually successful, although that was... Uh, partially due to the power which he attained from worshipping Shukracharya by following his instructions. The, the, the guru, even though he's a, a materialistic guru, but nonetheless because Shukracharya was a follower of the Vedas and there's great power in the Vedic mantras and in the Vedic way of life, one who follows that gets great power, just like, for instance, Prabhupada mentions that one for for women that they get great supernatural power simply by serving their husband, even if their husband is Ravana. Now he mentions Mandodari as an example. There are many examples how how um, 
the wife of Dhritarashtra, Gandhari. She had the power just just by glancing over her son Duryodhana to make his body invincible due to the great power of chastity. And there are so many examples. So the point is that by following the Vedic path, even for materialistic purposes, one gets great power and becomes imbued with great power. So Shukracharya was a complete materialist, but he had tremendous power, so much so that he was able to, lead, to to infuse Bali Maharaj and his followers with such power that they could take over the uh, the heavenly planets. And that was also possible, that wouldn't normally have been possible, because the devas, the demigods, were following uh, Brihaspati. But, so, Brihaspati is also very powerful. And by following him, the devas, they also get strength, but due to Indra's insulting of Brihaspati, then he had withdrawn his blessings on them. And therefore they they were on that side weakened. On the other side, Bali Maharaj, understanding the Vedic principles of uh, following his guru, became so powerful in material, with material power, that he was able to lead his armies to defeat the, the devas. So uh, Vamandev came to have some fun with him because he he had to. Now came the time, one of those times when the devas were approaching the supreme lord. That now the universal order is upset, and we have no other recourse but to come to you for shelter. So the supreme lord he incarnates. Indradi Vyakalam Lokam Vijayanti Yuge Yuge. Whenever Indra and the Devas are upset, then the Supreme Lord he comes. And he comes in various unexpected ways. The demigods had prayed for uh, the, the, the earth planet was fallen. So the Lord came, he he could have come in any number of ways, but he came as the transcendental hog to lift up the earth planet and and to destroy Hiranyaksha. This Nrishim Hadev, Adrishta Purvam, never seen before, never imagined before. Hiranyakashipu was so intelligent that he he stated all the different kinds of forms that he could not be killed by, neither by men, by de- demons nor by demigods, nor by animals. Considering, uh, or Ravana, he didn't bother to state that he couldn't be killed by men, but Hiranyakashipu, he he took that benediction, he couldn't be killed by men. So, uh, the Lord appeared in a form that he could not have imagined. Half man, half lion, and killed him in that form. So, they prayed for him to come, but when the Lord comes to for this method, he comes and he has some fun also. He could come just as Lord Vishnu for him. Sometimes he comes like that also. When he came to relieve Gajendra, he came like that. But usually he comes and he has some fun also. Lila, Lila means his enjoyable pastime. So he comes. 
Who could have imagined that he would come like this? He came as Vamandev. He appeared in the heavenly planets. Actually, this this Leela of Bali Maharaj having everything taken away, that took place in the heavenly planets. It's stated on the bank of the Narmada River, but that's in, that's also in India, in this planet. Uh, but that that was the Narmada River in the spiritual world. You know Paruch in Gujarat. That's you, every time you go from Bombay, you cross over the the Narmada River on the bridge when you go by train or road. So that ori- the original name is that is Brigu Kutch, or the place where. Uh, that that is the, that is described. That's where it's supposed to be the place where, or it's a reflection or a, of the place where Vamanadev appeared, where where Bali Maharaj was was he performed his sacrifice in in which uh, Vamanadev appeared. So Vamanadev came, and Bali Maharaj was very happy. They saw that the sun is in the sky, but from a distance they saw there appears to be another sun, more bright than the sun. And they thought, maybe Surya Dev is coming. And they saw, and they eventually saw a little Brahmin boy, dwarf, who was brighter than the sun, more brilliant than the sun. So, Bali Maharaj is very happy because the he, know, he knew the principle that by satisfying the brahmanas, uh, the sacrifice becomes successful. And the more one can satisfy the brahmanas, the more one's endeavors become successful. So he could see this is a very powerful brahmana has come. And so he offered, it was a great opportunity to, for him to offer to this brahmin what, he, what this brahmana wanted, whatever he wanted, and this way, to get his blessings. And in this way, his endeavors could be successful. This, this yagya was, was crucial because he was performing these yagyas in order to bolster his position. And if these yagyas were successful, then, then Bali would be, he would be immovable. He had taken over the heavenly planets, but just to become stable in his position, he was performing these sacrifices. So he was very happy that a, a great, obviously a very powerful, highly effulgent brahmana had arrived, and he therefore offered to him uh, that you please take what you want. I'm I'm in I'm in charge of the universe here, and I can offer you whatever you want. So we all know the story. Vamandev said, yes, I will take three steps of land measured by my own footprints. And his own footprints, he's just a little dwarf. So what, what his three steps of land will be? What will his three steps of land be? So then Bali Maharaj preached him a little bit. He said, you don't know what's in your best interest. You should, you should take anyone who comes to me, they should take from, they should come and take what they need and to such an extent that they should never have to come back. I'll give them what, what can completely satisfy them throughout their life. So he said, if you want, I can give you a whole planetary system. What do you just want three? I can give you a whole continent, a whole planetary system. So don't just take three steps of land. Take more. 
that our, we have a great family tradition, that we are very generous to the brahmanas. So you take more. I also may be blamed if I only give you such a small amount that I should give you more. And then Vamande preached to him and said that actually, you see, we're brahmanas and we shouldn't be greedy and we should be satisfied with whatever we need and not take too much. And having said that, he expanded himself and took the whole universe in two steps, covered the whole universe. So in this way, he he cheated Bali Maharaj by pretending that he only wanted to take a little land, and then he took the whole universe. And he, he three steps land, but in, in two steps, he covered the whole universe. So in this way, he gave great pleasure to Bali Maharaj, showing that he is the same Vishnu who Bali Maharaj had secretly been worshipping throughout his life, and who, who had now come to be, to show himself personally to him, Shukracharya could understand that this is Vishnu, and he uh, warned Bali Maharaj, don't do this. And when Bali Maharaj was still, uh, still insistent, then uh, Shukracharya he became very upset and, and Bali Maharaj knew that that all his opulence and his whole position rested on the his submission to Shukracharya. But in this case, he thought that that uh, I have to follow Lord Vishnu even if my guru isn't. And although nowadays in the modern world in which we don't have any real culture, it's uh, one can pick and choose gurus and throw one out the next day, and keep them as a pet dog, as Prabhupada used to say, accepting a guru like a dog. But just like... Uh, anyone anyway, I won't tell that story. But, uh, but uh, in the Vedic culture, the, the guru is to be so much respected. There is grounds for rejection. But that... Uh, what is that? Guru Api, that, that verse Prabhupada quotes in the section on... Ramandev and Bali Maharaj, Guru Api, even though he is a guru, there is so much to be respected. Guru Api Avalittasya, Karya Karya Majanata, Utpanna Pratipannasya, Palityago Vidhiyate. That uh, Bhishma did, spoke this to Parashuram. When Parashuram, his guru, uh, told him that you must marry was it? Ambika, Amba. And, but Bhishma refused, saying that, you know, I've taken this vow, I can't break my vow. So Parashram said, well, I'm your guru, you should do what you say. And he said, Guru Api, you might be, you may be my guru, even though you are my guru. But if a guru is not properly situated, if he doesn't know how to instruct properly, if he's, uh, Fallen down, previously properly situated, now fallen down. Paritiago vidhiyate. One must fully reject. And then Bhishma fought with Parashuram and defeated him. So, but that's unusual. Normally, the, the understanding is that one must fully, that's the standard to fully surrender. So, and, and by doing so, Bali Maharaj had become so much powerful. 
But he knew that now I, I lose the blessings of Shukracharya and all my material opulence will be finished. As Shukracharya cursed him that you will lose all your opulence. You could see it coming anyway. But uh, Bali Maharaj knowingly Tatastu, let so be it. He gave his word that yes, now I am surrendered. So this Bali Maharaj is the symbol of Atman Nivedana, full self surrender, and uh, is a great instruction for those who are aspiring to surrender to Krishna. Every devotee must, who is not fully surrendered to Krishna, must aspire to do so. What is surrender? Just see. The example is Bali Maharaj, that he possessed the whole universe. Yet at, at a moment he didn't have time. He didn't have time to think about it and get into a big philosophical discussion and think about it for a few days or a few weeks. Should I do it or shouldn't I do it? But immediately he was called upon to surrender everything, reject his guru, become. He was uh, fully praised and the hero of all the, all the demons. And he knew that they would all be extremely upset with him. That, that, that his popularity would turn to infamy in their eyes. And he knew that even the demigods wouldn't appreciate it. They'd just think that he's just a, he's just a fool. Now he's been defeated. So there was, there was nothing in it for him materially. He had to give up all his material attachments just on the spot without any warning his attachments to his property, his position, his fame, his prestige, his family members also. The, the, the family love you as long as you have money. Uh, Krishna says, my great mercy is if I take away the, the wealth of my devotee. And then his family members, seeing him deprived of wealth, they reject him. So he doesn't have any other shelter but me. So the great example of this is, is Bali Maharaj, who in a moment, that which he had endeavored for, for, and, uh, for over so many years, and with great difficulty, immediately gave it up. So it's a great test for him. So that we can uh, consider in our own lives. Are we ready? We have so many. We have so many possessions. Are we ready to offer that immediately? Everything. Yes. Whatever you want. Whatever, Krishna, take it. Uh, Srila Prabhupada said that even a sannyasi may be attached to his water pot. <laughs> so that story is there. Ramanujacharya and his his renunciate disciples. How? They, they were criticizing Ramanujacharya for his apparent bias towards this, uh, what was his name, Dhanadas, and his wife. He was a householder. And, uh, we agree, Hastas, and you're giving so much attention to them. But then he showed, Ramanujacharya demonstrated how his, these particular Grihasta couple. They were not at all attached to their material, to their jewelry and opulence. They were ready to give it at a, in a moment uh, to Ramanuja. Whereas when all the, the copings 
of the renunciates were stolen, they made a big hoo-ha over some missing pieces of cloth. So, this material attachment, it's very, very deep. As long as we're not actually attached to Krishna, we must be attached to pieces of cloth, clods of earth, dogs, cats, people who we think are ours, mine. These material attachments are very strong. They bind us to this material world. So what is our attachment? As long as we, as long as we are not attached to Krishna, then we must be attached to everything in this material world. And as long as we are attached to objects of this material world, then we cannot be attached to Krishna. So this is a great lesson. There are many, many lessons to be learned from the pastimes of Vamandi. He came to, as Prabhupada says in the purport, to enjoy some fun with some joking pastimes with Bali Maharaj. But actually by doing so, he glorified the character of Bali Maharaj. If he had not done so, then the greatness of Bali Maharaj could not... Who would have known? In his heart he was a great devotee. Who would have known? He was blamed by all the demons for that. And that is that also shows his great character. He was willing to accept that blame. But his... His only heart's desire was to fully surrender to Lord Vishnu. So, who would have known if Lord Vamandev had not done this? Anyone can say, yes, yes, I, uh, I'm also a devotee. Sometimes, sometimes you say, I've been a devotee for 20 years, I've been a devotee for 30 years. Sometimes people are saying, how long have you been a devotee? Still trying, can't say I'm a devotee. It's not just a matter of putting on tilak. It's not even not even a matter of getting initiated or even taking sannyas or assuming the role of a guru. But actually, to be a devotee, who is a devotee? And that we have to see who's actually surrendered to the Lord. So, uh, Prahlad Maharaj spoke these principles: Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, culminating in Atmanivedanam. And that Atmanivedanam, Prahlad Maharaj was so happy to see this demonstrated by his grandson and disciple, Bali Maharaj, who, who demonstrated that the willingness to immediately, without any preconsideration, surrender everything that might, he might have been expected to be attached to, simply for the sake of fulfilling a whim. It might have seemed like a whim of the Supreme Lord, Vishnu. So, following in the footsteps of Bali Maharaj, Mahajana Yenagata Sapanta, we can also learn what is detachment from the, this material world in the service of Lord Krishna. That the willingness to be, not think of anything as our own and think that I am only meant for the service of Lord Krishna. And even if the whole 
world is against me, we should follow that which is given by the path given by the Acharyas and by Krishna. It's not easy. It's much easier to, you see, Bali Maharaj, even giving up the whole universe may not have been so difficult for him as being scorned by his own relatives and clan. Because we have, in, in human society, we have the very strong desire to be socially accepted. And if we're not accepted by others, then, then we become disturbed. There are so many social, uh, psychological disturbances. They are, if someone is rejected from a group, well, that's considered, uh, in some communities, shunning among the Amish. That's considered a, a great punishment. You don't speak to, sent to Coventry, it's called in British English. No one talks to you, no one, no one interacts with you. Not to be accepted by the group is a great punishment. And, and we, we see that mostly people act in such a way that others will accept them. They, they, they dress in a way that is considered socially acceptable. They talk in such a way. They, to be a good American, you should... What should you do? What do you have to do? You have to earn enough money. Poor Americans, not a good American. Uh, you have to earn enough money. You have to fly an American flag outside your house. You have to, uh, I don't know, go to baseball games or something like that. And, you know, all American, the all American. Drive an American car. That's considered important, is it? That's a symbol of, even if it's a piece of junk, then you, you, you have to show you're a real American. Drink, eat hamburgers and all this kind of thing. So, uh, there's, there's social pressure to conform to the group. That's very strong. You see, among teenagers, they, uh, among teenage devotees, children, when they get to teenage, they become very much influenced. They, they often become very much influenced by the, by the normative behavior of, of, regular American teenagers who do everything which is antithetical to Krishna consciousness. But why do they do that? Because it's such a strong social pressure to conform and they, they feel that if, if I don't conform to if I if I'm not accepted, it'll be it, it's it's horrible for them. This Udayananda Prabhu was telling me how his kids when they his young his sons when they went to the Kami school and they had Shikas and then all the other kids were pulling it and and calling them faggots because they looked like they looked like a ponytail of a woman and all this and they they got their shikas cut off pretty quick because the the, the desire to conform to the faggot you say that in American gay wait a minute I could be prosecuted for that yeah gay faggot there are so many words queers pansies and all things like that hmm. Okay, all right, whatever. We don't hate them. Not very much, anyway. Um, so, uh, this, that one should be accepted by the group, but Bali Maharaj was rejected by his entire group. He was, from being the hero, from here, this classic case of hero to zero. 
Valimanan, less than zero, rejected, but he was accepted by Krishna. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to enter the family of Krishna, even at the expense of giving up all his family members, social group. We find very often that uh, people who want to take devotional service, they find it very difficult to do so due to pressure from their family members. It's very difficult to overcome. In many cases, people who become interested in Krishna consciousness, they go back again due to pressure from their families. So many times we've seen. If a young man in India starts to become interested in Krishna consciousness, then his family immediately arrange his marriage. And they make sure he's definitely not to a devotee because they, they think we have to we have to save him from all from uh, spoiling his life by taking to Krishna consciousness. So marry him to a nice girl who will take him to the movies and do all other things that good Indians do. And uh, in this way he'll be a good, normal Indian. And we don't mind if he's religious, a little bit, but not too much. It's good if you're religious, but not too much. So we'll marry him to a nice girl who's religious, but not too much. Once a week they go to the temple, that's very good. And once a week they go go to the cinema, that's also very good. So, uh, so, Sarvasvam Vishnavedada Murkam Bhatishyate Katam Shukracharya, his his outlook. That, that if you give everything to Vishnu, how will you maintain yourself? The materialistic concept of religion, Shukracharya, he epitomizes the materialistic concept of religion. Follow the Vedic culture, do everything very nicely, uh, but don't surrender to Lord Vishnu which is the actual purpose of Vedic culture. So Bali Maharaj, he showed how that he was prepared to do that which is practically the most despicable thing in Vedic culture, to reject even his guru, or to speak of family members and others, for the sake of the actual purpose of Vedic culture, which is to surrender to Lord Vamanadev, who had performed some funny pastimes, Playful pastimes with him. To Bali Maharaj, it may not have seemed very playful at the time. It was a very intense experience for him to be uh, tied up and scorned and rejected. But ultimately, Vamandeva, after after putting him in such a difficult situation in which he didn't curse the Supreme Lord or say that, well, now I'm becoming, now I'm going to become an atheist or I reject Vishnu, he accepted all the punishment and ultimately by his giving himself fully to Vamandev. Vamandev gave himself to Bali Maharaj and became his doorkeeper and gave him a position better than that of Indra in the, the lordship of the Sutala and became his doorkeeper. That anyone comes, then uh, anyone comes who's against you, I'll look after them. So he took such a, such a subservient position and even one time Ravana came to, in, he was wandering all over the universe, throwing his weight around and making every, showing, living up to his name, one who makes everyone in the, one who makes everyone cry. So then he came and he was just striding into the palace of, 
of Bali Maharaj in Sutra, when he he saw he just as you know, Ravana is a huge Rakshasa, and he just sees his little Vaman, his tiny little Vaman, is saying, "Hey, wait a minute, what are you doing? Where are you going?" And Ravana doesn't even bother stopping to talk to him. He's so insolent. So Vamandev, with his tiny little lotus feet, very kindly blessed Ravana by uh, giving him a good kick in the backside, which sent him to the other side of the universe, and he didn't come back. So uh, Vamandev, because Bali Maharaj gave himself to Vamandev, Vamandev gave himself to Bali Maharaj, and this is the ideal for all devotees to follow that we should give ourselves to Krishna and Krishna with the, with the faith that Krishna is so kind that Krishna will surely look after us in all respects manasa deho geho jo kichuma apilun tuapade nandakisha Hare Krishna anyone like to add there Comments, please. Vamana being in the position of his doorkeeper, did he have to give the Maya covering if all he would allow the words of the demons? Was, was Vamandev the. Uh, did he cover Bali Maharaj with Yoga Maya so he could take that position? Well, in dealing with the Lord's pastime forms, the Yoga Maya is always present. Otherwise, how could have. Koshalya thought of Lord Ram as my son. So the, that's why this uh, the Naravapu, the, the human-like form, is considered the best because the, the neither is the, the devotees in dealing with these forms in particular, they, they are neither, the devotees are neither covered by the Mahamaya of thinking that I am the enjoyer. Uh, nor are they prominently aware of the Supreme Lord being the Supreme Lord. They relate to him as my son, or my friend, or my husband, or my lover. So yes, his yoga maya potency presumably was at work. Now it, it may... It may be that the devotees are simultaneously aware that he is the Supreme Lord and also think of him as their son or their friend. That's also possible at the same time. Like Devaki or even the Vrajvasis. They all knew that, they knew that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, but then knowing that was uh, subordinated. They forgot it most of the time because it was subordinated to their great intense love for him as lover, son, or, or rather they were the parents or, or, or friends. So, uh, you quoted the Sanskrit when you were reading the book Isn't it that you can reject your guru if he tells you not to worship Vishnu or to get married? Well, those are two instances recorded in Shastra of where gurus have been rejected. When, when, if he tells you to uh, reject Vishnu, uh, we have the example of Bali Maharaj, and the order not to, the, the order to marry, 
given by Brahma to the Kumaras was rejected. So there we have two instances. But the but the more general condition is given by Bhishma Devi. There are three conditions. Guru Api Avalitasya, that means not properly situated. Karya Karya Majanataha, he doesn't know what is to be done and what is not to be done. Therefore, he's not fit to teach. With Pandapati Pandasya, who's, who's fallen or, or not, uh, who's fallen from his position. And also in Shastra, there is, there is also given uh, other prescriptions if he's an offender to the Vaishnavas. There's, uh, there's, what's that? Avaishnava Upadishta Ena Mantrayam Nirayam Vijay. If one takes a mantra from a non Vaishnava, Vedic mantra from a non Vaishnava, he goes to hell. Severe warnings. Hmm. So I was wondering, like in the Shiva Bhagavatam, in the past time in the seventh canto, with Prabhupada and Ramakashipu. Well, that's what I was saying. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he handed the universe over to Indra. How exactly? How well, Prahlad that stated he he was given the throne of Hiranyakashipu, but exactly at what point Indra again took it up is not clear. Because definitely later Indra was in the position of the king of heaven at the time of Virochana. And it's like well, like I said, there are many examples of that. Advaita Acharya, the Supreme Lord, some of his sons, they became uh, demons, actually. Prabhupada himself, his, uh, his children were not very Krishna conscious at best. And at least one of them acted in quite a contrary manner. Even though having such a nice name as Madan Mohan. <laughs> So that may be, we're all sons of the Supreme Lord and we're all acting in a manner contrary to that. It's a great risk, yeah. It's a great risk, yeah, but it's also a great risk. It's also a great risk not having them. Because it's the duty of one putrate kriyate bhaya, one accepts a wife to have a son. The story is there of uh, Agastya Rishi, isn't it, in Mahabharata? Wasn't it Agastya? Who was that? Was it Agastya who didn't have, because he wasn't married, and then all his uh, forefathers, what is that, the Vala Kilyas, they were hanging upside down in church. I can't remember exactly, but it was told that because he didn't have any children, therefore all his forefathers were going into hell. That may not apply for devotees, because they, if one is actually surrendered to Krishna, then he transcends all these. <coughs> Considerations, but generally that putrate kriyate bhaya putra pinda prayojanam. On the on the, if one is not transcendently situated, then if he doesn't have children, then they then they can't offer pinda, and in this way the the oneself and the forefathers are in danger of entering into hell. So it's dangerous not to have children. It, it's actually a duty of every human being to have children. Sons, in particular, sons, it's stated. So, unless one is on the transcendental path of surrender to Krishna, then that is a duty to have many children. 
be many also. It's considered a blessing to have many children. Not in the modern age. It's considered a curse because it's so expensive. Everything works in terms of money. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the, the 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 general definition of demon is is uh, Vishnu Bhakta Bhavet Smito Daiva Asuras Asuras Tadviparya the, the devote, devotee of Vishnu is known as a deva and the opposite is a is a demon Vishnu Asura although Asura the word literally means those who didn't accept wine. Or, or that came out of the out of the churning of the ocean of milk. The, the demigods accepted that, and the demons didn't. Wine, in this case, means somewhere else. So they, they didn't accept that. And then again, we have Daitya, the, the descendants of Diti, Dhanava, they're the cousins of the Daityas, who are the descendants of Danu. So it's like that. We have just like we have Brahmanas by race. They, they, they're, they're considered brahmanas by seminal descent, although they may by nature be demoniac. And we, but then we have by mentality. Someone may be born in a demoniac family yet have a brahminical disposition. So there, there, we can say there are there's conventionally. One may be called actually Bhakti Rao stated this that there's Vyavaharic uh, Brahmana or those who are just by convention are accepted as Brahmanas and Paramartic Brahmana those who by their spiritual disposition they're actually Brahmanas. So the same may be said about demons also. Hmm. You want to say something? Please. We're talking about conforming, and in some ways it seems like baby culture is about conforming. Yeah, all culture is about conforming. Otherwise, if it's not a culture, is it? Culture means the, the group norms, activities, values, standards of behavior, etc., etc. So it's all, culture is all about conformity. Yet sometimes, like somebody in their mind is thinking that this is pleasing to Krishna, this is pleasing my spiritual master. Mm. And in some ways, they may not conform. I mean, in some ways, Shiva Prabhupada didn't conform. Well, that's the example of Bali Maharaj, isn't it? He was following the Vedic culture, but when the, when he saw that his because Shukracharya, he was he was following the Vedic culture, he was performing sacrifices. So in the sacrifices, the uh, Lord Vishnu is Yagyeshva, Yagyabhuk. He is the, he is the, in the sacrifices, which Shukracharya was also, in the Karmakanda sacrifices, the Yagyeshva, or the, the master of the sacrifice, or Yagyabhuk, to whom the sacrifice is offered, is Vishnu only. But then, so the whole Vedic culture is supposed to lead one to Lord Vishnu. But then when Lord Vishnu actually came, 
he showed that he was a hypocrite because he didn't actually want to offer to Lord Vishnu, he wanted to use Lord Vishnu for his own purposes. Jarasandha is another example. He was worshipping Lord Vishnu, but when Lord Vishnu came as Krishna, he hated him. So he's, he, he, he superficially only worshipped Lord Vishnu. So that's, these are examples, Dali Maharaj is an example of, of someone who broke out of the rigidity of superficially following Vedic culture to come to its actual purpose, which is surrender to Krishna. And as you give the example, Prabhupada in some ways broke with the form, or rather he, he went to a place where the form didn't exist, so to, to some extent he, he went along with the culture that was existing in the Western world and gave the highest culture of Krishna consciousness, although he did also many times state that he wanted to establish Varnashram on because the uh, the Western culture is is not it, it's not conducive to Krishna consciousness. It's based on sense enjoyment, which leads to hell. Whereas the Vedic culture is conducive to Krishna consciousness. So Prabhupada wanted, for the sake of nurturing Krishna consciousness, wanted to establish Varnashram culture. But to to plant Krishna consciousness in the foreign culture, he accepted some of the norms. Uh, some of the the non-essential things he was he made some adjustment to. At the same time, he he introduced Vedic culture um, in many ways. Just like, for instance, as Prabhupada often said, it's not necessary to be Krishna conscious that you have to shave your head or wear a dhoti or a sari. At the same time, he encouraged that uh, because these are conducive, all these usages are conducive to developing Krishna consciousness. It's not essential, but they are, they are helpful. So Prabhupada was willing to uh, compromise, you could say, uh, uh, if he saw that, that his disciples were not willing or ready or to fully accept the Vedic culture but at the same time, he, he did want to introduce that, knowing it to be uh, that you can chant Hare Krishna and at the same time live in the cities and have a regular kami job, for instance. You can also do it, but at the same time, it's better to live in our own devotional communities where we can, um, because in, in general, that's a more conducive atmosphere. It, it our own communities, they foster satsanga, supposed to. Uh, whereas in, in the cities, then one is forced to take a satsanga. It's a big topic. It's a big topic which is often, uh, there are often misunderstandings about that because it seems that at the present time, devotees are, are trying to promote that um, Everything that Srila Prabhupada did was exactly as he wanted it to be forever, although Prabhupada himself said that 50% of his work wasn't done in introducing Varnashram. So that Prabhupada made some compromises for the Western world doesn't mean that, uh, as, as has been posited, that Prabhupada threw out 
Van Ashram and instituted his own social system or, or the Prabhupada because he made some adjustments uh, to the sh- Shastric norm. That means that we don't have to follow Shastra or it's not important. It wouldn't be important if we were fully surrendered to Krishna. It wouldn't be in- important to follow, for instance, a certain social system. But because we're not fully surrendered to Krishna, therefore it, it would be more helpful for us to follow that social system. Sometimes it's positive that, well, Prabhupada can, can just, he can change Shastra or reject it. Or, but, but the Acharyas, they come to give us Shastra and to, because Shastra is that which for all, for, for all phases of time, for all of human society, gives guidance to gives guidance to human society on how we should behave. So the, the, the duty of an acharya is achinotihi uh, shastrani. Achinotihi shastrani. Then what's the next line? Achinotihi shastrani. Achare sthapi atyapi swayam achrata yasmad acharyas tena Acharyas, he only comes, he, his whole existence, his position as an acharya is based on shastra. He teaches Shastra and he establishes Shastra by his own personal behavior according to Shastra. So it's not that Shastra is just something which is there and is, but the Acharya, he kicks it out, but rather the Acharya establishes Shastra. And if temporarily he may make some adjustments on minor principles, that doesn't mean that, that his neophyte and, and uh, disciples who don't know Shastra can just just flippantly throw everything out in Shastra on the, on the plea that we are devotees and we have transcended Shastra. There's some very strange ideas which usually ends up in breaking the regulated principles and all this kind of thing. Because actually they don't want to follow Shastra. And they, they quote Prabhupada, they misuse Prabhupada's adjustments which are very carefully done by uh, by a self-realized acharya who knew how to establish Krishna consciousness in the world. Yeah, you want to say something? No, no. all right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, Maharaj, you, you touched on a very uh, interesting point uh, that you know, a lot of bodies feel very strongly about, you know, in, in a way that when Shah Prabhupada was, uh, was still here, he, he made certain adjustments uh, in order to accomplish his goal, basically. For example, yeah. giving sannyas to all of their Well, giving to unqualified, they were qualified in as much as they were prepared to follow Srila Prabhupada. That was the qualification of Prabhupada saw. But they didn't maintain it. Well, from the from the Shastic point of view, as far as giving sannyas, they were not qualified. Yeah, okay. Uh, they, they may not have been. They had so many material desires in their hearts. But Prabhupada saw them as qualified in as much as they were prepared to follow him. But also, they, they, they often accepted sannyas for the wrong reason. That became apparent later, yeah. So anyway, the, the, the thing is that Shah Prabhupada made certain adjustments in order to accomplish the goal to spread the mission that's pretty well understood. And as time goes by, the need for making such adjustments 
What did you say? The need for it diminishes? The, the need for making such adjustments, let's say, maybe men can be seen that way. For mm. example, you know, there may not be any need anymore to reward sannyas to the same kind of people, let's say. Yeah, well, that's more or less instituted in our society now, isn't it? They're very conservative about offering sannyas. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Prabhupada said he wanted to introduce Varnashram. That's like there was the explosion of Krishna consciousness all over the world and then to stabilize that, to establish Vaishnav society, he wanted to introduce that. That can also be understood in several different ways. So if you could... It certainly is. Ex, uh, you know, explain a little bit of what is your take on that uh, the form in which Varnashram... Well, uh, village life, agrarian communities that's the start with with uh, living very simply this is it's clear that Prabhupada wanted to establish Varnashram like that so I, I, I this book actually I'm I'm writing books not just haphazardly but with meditation on Prabhupada's mission so this glimpses of traditional life, Indian life, is dedicated to those devotees who have taken up Srila Prabhupada's instruction to live simply on the land. So it, it gives some insight into the kind of uh, culture that is conducive to developing Krishna consciousness. You get it? you lean towards the, let's say, the 19th century Indian model? Not 19th century, not 19th century. It's going on since time immemorial. This is the this is the Vaikunt, This is the reflection of the Vaikuntha culture in the material world. The, the the way of life is the same way of life as that Krishna himself lives, because this it trains us to think and act in a manner that is suitable for giving up our body and going to the spiritual world. If we think and act like a materialist, we, then we won't go to the spiritual world. So this culture trains us. The, the culture of that uh, Ishavasya putting Ishavasya Dham Sarvam, the putting the Isha, the Supreme Lord, in the center of all activities, full dependence on Him, um, respect for elders, knowing how to behave. There are so many different things. That how we keeping clean. We don't put the we don't put the the Bhagavad Gita on the floor and so many different things like this. So many points. I have to write a very big book giving all the details of this culture. It's already written, but I have to finish it. Still, uh, you know, the type of village life you're describing in mm. India is actually very far from the ideals of our. Uh, well, it is nowadays. Yeah. But until recently, there were still many things to follow and see. And even though it is still a long way from the from what we might call the ideal, there's still a lot more there than there is in the West, where there's nothing of this to be seen. There are plenty of it. The Shastra also, the Puranas, Mahabharata, Ramayana. They give these are these are actually the the uh, 
basis of Vedic culture, that people would hear these Shastras and, and learn how to behave. Just like I was giving that example that Prabhupada states in, in the ninth canto purport that every man should follow the example of the Mahajans like Bali Maharaj, and he gives a few other names. He says every woman should follow the example of Sita, Mandodari, uh, and and so we we can in Vedic culture these narrations are regularly read and heard and and they be, they're fully absorbed and and people base their lives on on these role models. Previously, uh, that. that uh, one Englishman in, in 19th century India said that in all of North India, in what's now called the Hindi-speaking belt, he said that practically everyone knows the Tulsi Ramayana by heart. Most people didn't read, but they heard again and again, and they would they knew it all by heart. And they, this would be the, in their normal conversation. They would discuss all these different things. And then if, if some decision is to be made, they would say, well, remember... Bhishma said like this, or then Sita did like this. And on the base of this, they would conduct their lives. Very highly God-conscious culture. There, was, there were no rock stars or cinema stars to, to base your opinions or your life on. And the whole, the whole way of thinking, actually quite different. Just like in this... In this book, Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus, it starts off with the assumption that men by nature are result-oriented. But men in most men in Vedic culture are not. I mean, I've seen myself in, in India. Just like, for, an, for example, one devotee from America was constructing a house in a rural area of South India. And the work was going on slowly. And he was American. He wanted to go quickly. So he suggested to his uh, contractor, who is a go-between who spoke English as well as the local language, well, let's pay them more to work, to work harder, to work more. And the contractor said, don't do that. If you do that, they'll work less. And he couldn't understand it at all. Why should they work less? You pay them more, they work more. So over, uh, overstepping the contractor's advice, he paid them, the next day he paid them double for their day's work. They pay them at the end of the day. And the next day, they didn't come to work. He said to the contractor, why didn't they come? I paid them down. He said, well, you paid them for two days, so they don't need to work for one day. They have enough money for the next day. <laughs> Different way of thinking. Instead of thinking that we need more and more money and we should get, we can work harder and get more money, they think, I don't need to work now, so, so why work? So it's a different culture, different whole way of thinking. You, if you devotees who spend time in India, Western devotees who spend time in India, they can absorb some of this osmotically, so to speak. Different way of thinking. But that has nothing to do with with no, Van Ashram is based, it's not just a system of rules and regulations, but it's based on a whole approach to life. Sure is, but Prabhupada gave us the stories, he gave us the books, we were already doing that. Doing what? As far as the movement, I mean, we were already hearing, you 
know, about Ramayana, we're already doing those things. Yes, you wanted to be relevant or not. No, I'm not saying you just listen to the stories. Certainly you have to follow the rules and regulations also. But it's a whole package. What can I say? It's, it's probably due to your cultural mindset that you can't understand the cultural mindset of, of what could be called Indian culture, as Prabhupada often referred to it. Again, Indian culture in the 19th century has very little to do with the original well, Prabhupada, he, he spoke often of Indian culture. He gave many, many examples in his books, in his conversations. Prabhupada didn't have, he didn't reject it wholesale as you are doing. I'm not rejecting, all I'm saying is that... Prabhupada gave enough examples of it from his own experience to suggest that it was the kind of Varnashram that he wanted us to adopt. Just for example, Prabhupada gave the example of one man in Calcutta who um, would only drink water offered to the deity. And he would go all day, even in the hot, in the heat of Calcutta, until he went back home, he wouldn't drink. So that, or he gave the example of people who bathe in the Ganga in Calcutta, even though there's stool in the water, thanks to modern sewage systems, because they have faith in the Ganga, they still go and bathe in the Ganga. And Prabhupada is praising that. So these are examples of people who have faith in, in the words of Shastra and follow that in their practical life. This is culture. You were going to ask something? I just wanted to make a comment to what you were saying about something that you were thinking. I mean, I was raised always in the rural community. You were raised here? Hardly. Yeah. And I can say that I never really knew what that symbol in hierarchy was until I was in India. And I traveled from there for quite some time throughout. And then I was in Ahmedabad. In where? Ahmedabad. Ahmedabad is different pronunciations. Yeah. And I went out into the country. I went to visit one of the Shinajin members. And when I was there, I was kind of standing outside the temple and watching some of the children coming out of the Gurukul. And there was a family who was living right behind the temple, very like, kind of single hut. And the beds were outside, and the woman was washing the clothes outside. And from my education and the way I was raised, although I learned not to see it that way when I was in India, to anyone else who had just come from the Western world, they would have seen a very poor family. And the Indians were with me. One of them was standing and going, wow, isn't that amazing how simple they live? And I was amazed that they used that word instead of how poor they live. Because simple living is considered a very good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not considered poverty, it's not considered unhappiness, it's mm. considered all those things. And from what I saw, those people were much happier. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the thing is, in our, in our attempts in the West to go to the land, we bring our city culture and aspirations with us. <laughs> it is a whole way of life. And, and Prabhupada did want his Western devotees to come and spend time in India so they could see and live the culture. And going to India doesn't just mean going to the restaurant in Iskon Vrindavan and going to Loi Bazaar. It's like they get out in the villages and, and live with people and, 
and uh, speak with them, see how they live. It takes a little time to imbibe a culture. Could you live like that, Mara? I've been doing so for many years. You've been living a life of villager? I live in Bangladesh. I was in... In, I didn't work the fields per se, but I was living among the people there. It's not that everyone in the village works the fields, by the way. There are many people doing other things also. Most people have some, well, those who are lucky have some land. Others have shops. They sit in their shop all day. Or they make brass, or they make pots, the potter community. And there are others. Part of, in, the, in Bangladesh, I lived in the village for years, and there are gurus also who go around and they, they speak on Shastra. I was doing like that. So I was living like that for, for most of the, At that time in Bangladesh, there was, most of the places there, there was no electricity. And even if they had an elect, electric line, the current would come on for maybe four hours a day, usually in the daytime. And the only thing they had was electric lights. And the voltage was so low that in, in one of our temples, we established a temple in the country. And it's supposed to be 220 volts, but he, They've already brought light bulbs from America because the, the current never went up high enough. So with the 110 volt light, they actually got some light out of the electric light. So yeah, I have lived like that. I have lived like that for many years. Can you see Western devotees living like that? It seems that Prabhupada, he wanted to institute that, yeah. Why do you think he said 50% of his mission is not finished if he was that simple? Well, it, it, rather he said 50% of my mission isn't done because it's not simple. If you consider what Prabhupada did, and then what he wanted to say, he said, it's a very big thing if you say 50%. It's a very, very big thing. But uh, if we understand that, that uh, this is conducive to our spiritual advancement, and, and if, we, if we actually... T- Prabhupada said we cannot live simply unless we are Krishna conscious. Unless we have bhakti, was the term he used. So, as, as long as we are endeavouring to live very comfortably in this mature world, we have to make the endeavour to do so. Which means a lot of work. Prabhupada actually said the main reason we want to establish farm communities is to save time for hearing and chanting. And they were saying, how save time? Because farming is so much work. But if there are many people then it's not so much work. And we do have time. People are... Um, they have time. So that time can, should be utilized for hearing and chanting about Krishna. Most devotees now, most devotees living in the cities, they don't have time for sadhana. Anyway, I don't know what... Your problem is, but <laughs> what, what's what's your objection? Actually, you seem to be objecting to something, but I'm not sure what it is. We try to show the world in our farms how to live simply. No, we don't. We haven't done that. That's we haven't actually done that. We have farms, but we haven't lived. We're living the city life on the farms, and so it doesn't work. <laughs> Hare Krishna. All right, please. We had a discussion in Chuma about him last year today um, about certain. Uh, you hear, you hear this, you hear that in 
the subsidy of the, the bodies and the humans were on different planets? Yeah, yeah, we've heard it. I don't know if Prabhupada actually said it. But I don't know of this. I heard that Prabhupada had said this, that uh, in Satya Yoga, the devotees and demons live on different planets. In Treta Yoga, they live on different continents, is it? And then in Dwarpa Yoga, they live together. And in Kali Yoga, they live in the same person. But I don't know. Is, is, are there two persons? Inside one body, it doesn't doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be correct. I've heard that he said that, but I don't, I don't have any praman or evidence for that. Some of the things you hear that Prabhupada said, you, later on you find out. Just like we've heard that Prabhupada said that first of all they will uh, laugh at you, then they will attack you, and then they will accept you. But that saying, I maybe Prabhupada said it, but I, it's a, it's, I don't know exact words, but that's a paraphrase of something said by Vivekananda. So, I've heard, I also heard someone, oh, so many stories told, which really, there's like, not so many, but you hear stories, and then you find out later there's stories, they're coming from Ram Krishna or something like this. So, we should be, careful about the Prabhupada says, especially something like that, where how can you understand the devotee and the demon is inside the same person? So Does that mean... You understand in the sense that well, we have, we have desires Yeah, but isn't that always there? In every, I mean, isn't, every devotee has material desires in every yoga. I don't know. Well, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have material desires. We'd be in the yeah. spiritual world. I was considering in that where it was it uh, say like in the Well, to tell you the truth, uh, I don't really find it that much worth discussing because, you know, we're not sure if Prabhupada said it. There's no known scriptural reference to it. So to try to justify it doesn't really seem, didn't really, I just don't quote it. That's all. If anyone asks me, I just say that, I just say,